Bergman, and you're listening to the Punk Rock Libertarians podcast, episode 278. I'm here tonight with Jared Schneiderman. Hey, everybody. Alexis Schlegel. What's going on, everybody? Phil Dazzing. What's up? And the great James Bovard. James is a columnist at USA Today. He's a, a former columnist at uh, such places as like Reader's Digest, The Wall Street Journal. And Playboy, thanks for coming with us. Uh, thanks for being with us tonight, James. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thanks for being interested in this uh, killing. Yeah, um, I invited you on specifically to talk about Duncan Lemp. And it's like, and the reason why I did is because like, I feel like just not enough is being said about this. This is just like, you know, drowning in the COVID right now. And uh, this is some big shit. And like from what I've read, like the reason why they went after this guy and, and shot him while he was sleeping, I mean, from what I've read, I mean, like the worst he did was like share some memes. So I'm thinking like this could be me, you know, this could be <laughs> Phil. You share a lot of memes. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So and uh, yeah, man, uh, I don't know. Maybe you could just uh, like tell our listeners uh, about like what's what's happened here. OK, well, Duncan Lemp was 21 years old, living in his family's um parents' house in Potomac, Maryland, a very affluent suburb of uh, Montgomery County, Washington, D.C. area. Uh, he, was, um, uh, he was volunteering. He was a, a very tech savvy, doing some work in software. He was volunteering a pro bono basis to set up secure websites for gun rights groups. Uh, some of the, I guess, boogaloo groups, things like that. Uh, he was also a fan of, uh, apparently a fan of uh, John McAfee, based on what he was liking on Twitter. So John <laughs> McAfee, you know, a, a nice, quiet, moderate, reasonable guy. <laughs> but uh, I, I was looking at, um, you know, once the, the killing went down, I was looking at his um, um, the Twitter page, and the last tweet that uh, Duncan Lemp set out was sent was four words, the Constitution is dead. And uh, right. then I do a little more digging. I looked at his Facebook page, and I was surprised to see that he and I had six or seven mutual friends. So you're thinking, oh, shit. Yeah. So I did a little more digging. And um, what, what, the Montgomery, uh, what happened was the uh, Montgomery County police say that they got an anonymous tip two months earlier that he owned uh, firearms. And according to the police, he was a prohibited owner based on a juvenile conviction. The family's lawyer says that's bullshit. Um, but, and the uh, cops have not said what, uh, what it was, but so the uh, police get a search warrant on March 11th the afternoon and the, the police get a no knock warrant. And so what they do at 4.30 AM the next morning, the SWAT team attacks this peaceful house in uh, Potomac, Maryland. This is a guy with no history of violence. He wasn't brandishing weapons. He wasn't threatening the neighbors. He wasn't robbing the 7-Eleven. Uh, but the cops go in there with flashbangs and gunfire. Apparently, it started with the uh, first shooting through the bedroom window where the police knew that he slept. He was sleeping there next to his pregnant girlfriend, mm. and he was apparently hit with the uh, one of the first shots that went through. Wow. Jesus. Shit. So what so, is... Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Alex. So this, this looks to... It appears to be a red flag. Uh, they were issued. It was like a red flag law. Um, I don't think so. No. I, I mean, there, okay. was, there was another case in Maryland over uh, close to Annapolis where the police went in with a red flag. I think 
I've forgotten how early and the, um, you know, they were, they, they had heard some guy was troubled. So they went in there and gave the guy a bunch of trouble and then they killed him. Uh, so it was a real red flag operation. I think this, from what the police have said, this was more of a, um, you know, simply he was a prohibited owner of firearms, but it doesn't make any sense for them to be doing a no knock raid with that level of violence with flashbangs, gunfire, uh, at, you know, pre-dawn, never getting, right. you know, so. I mean, what, po what possible good outcome would come of that where, where you have police coming to someone's door uninvited at 4.30 in the morning? What, what did they expect that to happen? Well, the, you know, the, the thing that happened was, the way that, that what, um, what happened was that the police chose to execute the search warrant in a way that became a death warrant. And the cops had no death warrant, but if you're, if you're doing a no-knock raid at 4.30 in the morning, you aren't knocking and announcing, you aren't saying, this is Montgomery County Police, we've got a search warrant, we're gonna search the house for uh, firearms. No, you're, just, you're, you're shooting and then you're setting off bombs. Flashbangs are bombs. I mean, uh, if, if there was a case in Georgia where a guy had flashbangs and he was convicted of having a weapon of mass destruction. But if the cops have them, then they're, uh, you know, forces for good. Um, so Right. And if you threw one at a cop, I, I, I bet you they wouldn't be, take it so kindly. Yeah, there was, a, there, was a, there was a funny story in this. There was a lawyer down in Georgia who was talking about this. And, uh, you know, uh, the lawyer had a client who was raided and, they, and the cops used flashbangs. So what the lawyer wanted to do for the guy's trial, what he wanted to do was set off a flashbang in the courtroom. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't like that idea at all. <laughs> yeah, so like I've heard that he was he was shot while he was sleeping. Yeah, that is that's what I've heard as well. Um, you know, the the family is saying that the family is talking on this. The uh, Montgomery County Police. It's almost two months since they killed the guy. They've said almost nothing. They put out three different statements, and the third one was almost comical because it was this twisted grammar that says, well, okay, so the, okay, so the police went there and they went in the house and there was a rifle in the same room as Duncan Lemp. And, you know, they, you know, the police gave him commands and he didn't, uh, he didn't obey. And that's all. It's kind of like, well, when did you shoot the guy? It wasn't mentioned. Did you shoot him before you gave him commands? Was he already on the floor bleeding at that point? Was he dying at that point? Um, and this rifle you're talking about, did he have it? Did he point it? I don't think so. Uh, so the cops have been very, you know, this is a cover-up. And yeah, unfortunately, with the state of Maryland, it makes it very easy for the cops to cover up their killings. So question, do you think the pigs will ever provide the body cams? Uh, you know, it takes a long time to edit them. <laughs> oh, uh, so I, I mean this I, yeah. I mean this is this is the thing the lawyers are hollering for this is the th thing the family's hollering for there was a shooting a, a fatal shooting by the montgomery county police same police department on thursday uh in the area of white oak silver spring uh there yep. was a guy i guess who was somewhat disturbed he was outside with a big knife and his neighbors felt threatened and so the cop goes up there and the cop's shouting and put down the knife, put down the knife. And it was kind of, you know, there was video of that and the guy kind of backed away, then turned around and charged at the cop. And the cop, you know, dropped him four or five shots. I don't know how many bullets he fired. Guy was dead. 
the uh, Montgomery County Police put that video out on the next day. Wow. So, uh, so they are, so they do have uh, CAMCOMs and, you know, at the time that the SWAT team was there shouting and screaming at people in the house after they shot Limp, after, uh, you know, the, the cops came in and handcuffed everybody, they were on the floor, and the cops kept saying, this is being recorded. Okay, so where's the damn recording, guys? Yeah, yeah, it's two months, wow. Yeah, so Jim, we're we're actually in Maryland too. We're in Baltimore County, and and uh, Jared's in Baltimore City. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, and, and sorry to and, hear that, I, guys. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, like like you're actually like uh, a guest that we could actually have in studio because you're like really close to Anarchy Basement where we normally film. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, and, and so be it. I have a a friend who is in the Baltimore County Police Officers and. And I was talking to him about the situation and he was just like, look, he's like, when they do these, they do these raids, he said that the, the SWAT team, they don't have body cams on when they go in. So they bring in a, they, he said when they do it, they bring in a, a police officer who does, but he's in the rear. He only goes in <laughs> after all the, after all the confrontation goes in. All the murder has been in. committed. Wow. So is that something that you've heard or anything no, that might be no. why they're holding it up? Uh, no, the the, uh, the Montgomery County Police have got to deal with the Howard County Police, uh, and each of those counties uh, takes jurisdiction to investigate police shootings in the other uh, jurisdiction. Uh, so far, so far, they haven't had any trouble with the, with Howard County finding any trouble with the Montgomery County shootings. Uh, it, yeah. This is completely different than having an independent investigation, having someone going in there who's not part of the Maryland Police Network. Uh, but that hasn't happened. There's a huge problem as, as well, as, as you guys know, Maryland Law Enforcement Bill of Rights, the cops don't have to say anything for five, yeah. ten days after they kill somebody. And, and uh, it, you know, the way that it works out, the cops often get to see the evidence the police have, have acquired on a case prior to them saying why they shot and killed somebody. So They have lots of time to lawyer up. Yeah, uh, mm. uh, you know, lawyer up and make up the story. I mean, That's, you know, yeah. uh, there was a George Washington University Law Review piece last year that found that 98% of police chiefs who were surveyed said that, that that type of law impedes investigation of police shootings. And some of the police chiefs were just very blunt, saying it, it simply gave cops a time to come up with a better lie for killing somebody. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Wow. This is, something that, this is something the Baltimore Sun has had some good articles on over the last four or five years. They haven't sustained it. And the ACLU, the Maryland ACLU, I think sent out one tweet on this case saying, well, it's important to see the body cam. Well, ACLU, you're doing great work, you know. Anyhow, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll spare you guys my thoughts on them. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Jim, you, on, on your website, you have a, a, the chronicles of this case, and you've been going around. Um, I just saw on the second you, you did a radio interview. Um, so have you been uh, getting this story out as much as possible? <laughs> Dude, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah I mean, there's a couple other things. Uh, there should be a piece out in the next few days by someone who interviewed me, uh, left-leaning. But uh, this is a piece. Uh, this is a killing that's resonating intensely with gun rights groups with the boogaloo groups who i you know who you know that's another story but and some libertarians are paying attention to this as well 
Um, but um, yeah, I've had very good editors at the American Conservative on this. They've been gung-ho on this case. Um, I've, you know, talked to some other editors. We'll see what happens. Excellent. Excellent. So ha well, ha 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 has there been any suit followed yet by the family or? The family has not filed lawsuit as far as I know. I'm talking with their lawyers, um, mm -hmm. but, you know, I'm not privy to a lot of their stuff. Part of, you know, um, there's another variable here. Y'all might recall being near Baltimore. There was a federal court case last uh, summer that slammed the city because what the city uh, does is if there is a payment for someone who's a victim of police killing or beating or whatever, what the what the uh, Baltimore city of Baltimore does is is attach a muzzle to it to say that the people lose half the settlement of the money yes. if they talk to the press. Yeah, and mm -hmm. a federal judge basically tore Baltimore a new one on that. Uh, but the city, I've last I heard the city's probably not obeying it, but mm -hmm. um, I assume that this is something that they do under Maryland law. So. Um, I hope we find out what happened here, but I mean, Maryland is one of the Maryland is one of the worst states for um, covering up police abuses, and Montgomery County is probably the most anti-gun uh, part of the state. And um, I think you know the uh, local media has had almost zero interest in this, maybe in part because the guy was a gun gun owner or gun rights advocate. I think there was some effort to portray him as like a gun extremist, but you know, uh, simply because someone owns firearms and speaks out in favor of the Second Amendment. I mean, I thought that was just being an American. Well, yeah, it's like, what's the worst that can be said about this guy that you've heard? Um, what's the worst can be said about him? Um, the booby trap? Uh, yeah, okay, so there, so the, um, yeah, the, the, um, the uh, third version that the police department put out here, uh, was stressing that he had had a shotgun shell tied uh, somehow rigged to his bedroom door to, you know, in, in case someone came in. And I, you know, I think the police department saw that as a partial vindication for the raid. I guess from my perspective, uh, here's a dude who is uh, maybe he's feeling paranoid, like people might be coming to kill him. And then someone comes and kills him and says, yeah, see, the dude was paranoid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, right. You know, I, you know, I don't know all the facts of the matter. Um, it's interesting. I think there were, uh, there was probably at least one informant in this case uh, because the uh, Montgomery police spent at least two months, well, may have spent two months investigating this. And I think they were told things by an informant that uh, would help explain why the SWAT team went in there with so much violence and uh, pre-dawn because it was, it was a simple case of a prohibited gun ownership. Somebody was a, a guy, from, I was talking to a guy from Pennsylvania on this, and he said, look, you know, you look up in our rural area, there's a boatload of folks who own firearms and are prohibited for this or that reason. I mean, they aren't dangerous, they aren't threatening their neighbors, they aren't shooting people, but you know, there's a lot of laws that prohibited people from uh, owning guns, and a lot of people uh, violate those, but it's unclear that uh, Duncan Lemp was prohibited from owning guns. But, you know, uh, but the police went in there. It's, um, again, going back to what the informant might have said, there was a search warrant. Uh, there were affidavits to get the search warrant, and the, and the county police sealed those for 30 days. 30 days came up, and then they basically extended that. And then there was a real uh, ruling by Maryland Appeals Court 
that basically said, well, because of the pandemic, all the deadlines are off, you know, so, you know, the, the government doesn't need to disclose. Well, hell, you know, you might as well just suspend the state constitution because if there's no way to compel the government to obey the law, then, you know, uh, it's, it's a facade. But this entire case has been a facade because, you know, the, uh, the uh, police department never should have gone in there with violence. It never should have uh, shot before knocking and announcing. It should not have used flashbangs early in the day. And it should tell people why it killed a Montgomery County resident. But uh, I guess the police department feels they've got a Fifth Amendment right to remain silent about killing people. <laughs> so do we not know the nature of, of what this informant was or how this informant uh, came to be? Not at this time, no. Mm. I mean, what can I say here? Um, now, it's, it's interesting. There's a long history of, in some of these um, um, hardline groups, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for value-neutral terms here, um, some of these groups are known, um, you know, for having informants. I mean, it might be people that want to get paid. I mean, often there's folks who've got a conviction, which they are, you know, as part of their plea bargain, they promise to bring in other scalps. Um, and, uh, this is, this has happened to libertarians in the past. There was a group out in Arizona in 1996 that got busted. Informant brought them down. This is the kind of thing that the feds have done massively to Muslims after 9-11. There was all kinds of informants who basically enticed people to uh, commit crimes. Uh, but that was, you know, what's happened in the last 30 or 40 years is federal judges have basically defined entrapment out of existence. So it doesn't matter what, what the informant or the police do. It's not entrapment because the person was predisposed to do the crime. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it. But like, uh, this, yeah, this is a parody. Ruby Ridge would be a great example. Oh, uh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, yeah, there, that's there border, that was basically entrapment. I mean, they basically convinced him, Hey, stall these shotguns off and we'll pay you. And they were undercover agents. Yep. Well, yeah. yeah uh, Herb Byerly, I think was the name of the ATF agent who was undercover there. And that was why the uh, jury, the federal jury in Idaho would not convict Weaver for the firearms violation, which basically blew the federal court case. I mean, you know, I think the jury had a bad attitude because of all the FBI lies about killing Vicki Weaver, which came out. But it's interesting that there was, I, I wrote a lot about that. Uh, I did a piece for the Wall Street Journal that FBI Director Lewis Free directly attacked. He attacked me by name a couple times. That wow. deeply. Um, but <laughs> there was a, there was a, um, there was, there was a key issue in that about whether the FBI had a right to go in there and start shooting um, at the cabin and uh, Randy Weaver. And there, there was a confidential Justice Department report that said that in fact the FBI uh, snipers opened fire on Weaver and the Weaver family uh, prior to giving any warning violated the Constitution. And we might have the same issue here with the Duncan Lemp case because it looks like the, the, um, that the police, um, from what the family has said, the, the police opened fire before knocking, announcing, or warning. Uh, maybe the police have got evidence to the contrary. If so, we should see it. Right. It, it, it definitely sounds like they're trying to hide something. And I don't, I, <laughs> no, I you mean, think. You have, like, hey, it's yeah. only been two months. Yeah, it, it's, just, it's so clear. And, I, and 
and the fact that there's no media you know besides you that are that's really talking about it it's it's as clear as day i mean it, i don't know how else what kind of spin or what what people even think about if they're even thinking about it at all which i don't think they are i think the media silence is doing its part i saw yeah. michael Marlis did a interview uh on glenn beck uh about this case which was pretty encouraging um and uh i, I stumbled across that on facebook there was a um and uh yeah that was it was a pretty good interview uh definitely getting it out there to a wider audience um so yeah that, and, that was and, encouraging yeah this is something i, I think there's going to be more coverage of this once we learn more about the case i mean it, it's it's a challenging situation because you've got uh, you know you've got the uh, killing and then you've got the family lawyers and the family and they're they're very credible but um it would help immensely if we could act, could see some of the uh, documents. I mean, see see the memos, see the emails. Why they decide to go in there and launch a deadly attack pre-dawn? Because um, obviously it had tragic results. You got someone dead who didn't need to be dead. You had his girlfriend injured. Um, you know, you the family terrorized. Who was pregnant? Yeah, who was pregnant? Um, so I, I think Jesus. more details are going to come out of this. But it's it's. It's frustrating that there's not more outrage about the cover-up. So, and I appreciate you guys having me on to talk about this because, uh, you know, um, I don't have a magic wand that I can wave over police files. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, do you think, like, uh, I was say, like uh, Jim, I was going to say, do you think it's possible that we'll never get a video? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. What the uh, I mean, this is, I, I mean, this is Maryland. I mean, uh, you know, as, as I was telling somebody, you know, it was shocking to see this happen in uh, Montgomery County, especially in a place like Potomac. If something like this happened in Baltimore, it'd be like, well, it was a Thursday. Um, right. You know, yeah. This, you know, this, this is the kind of common shit they do there. But um, like, like, what do you think is the best way to get uh, to get some video? Like, I mean, like, 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 should we start calling the the police precinct like every day, or the Montgomery County Police? Uh I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. lawyers are nudging on this. There have been uh, quite a few uh, Freedom of Information Act requests who have all been stymied, as far as I know. Um, you know, hopefully there'll be some. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a good answer on that. I mean, yeah. I've you know, I've, I've used my elbows and my elbows came up empty. So so far. I'm still elbowing. <laughs> Jim, you said there was a recent protest down there uh, with, within uh, what you said the past uh, two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, there was a protest outside the uh, police station in Montgomery County. Right, right. Let me see if I can turn that off. Uh, no worries. No problem. Ah, screw it. Didn't work. Uh, yeah, there was, uh, there were some uh, gun rights groups that protested outside police headquarters here in Montgomery, um, I think on, around, on April 25th or so. Um, and about, you know, it was, it, I, it was great that people were concerned about the killing and wanted to protest. Uh, I hope that there's other protests and maybe a little more, um, well, I hope there are other protests. Uh, some of the organizers, at least one of the organizers had encouraged people to bring guns to the protest. Bringing guns to protests in Maryland is not legal. And so you had about 10% of the attendees got arrested. 
Um, wouldn't be so. wouldn't be prudent. Yeah, unfortunately, we live in the worst state when it comes to gun rights. Yeah, it's it feels that way. Yeah, and I mean it's not quite as bad as New Jersey, but you know, uh, almost no places. Yeah, it's uh, pretty pathetic when you live in a in a May issue state where the the governor King Hogan can grant you know basically decides uh, who can and who cannot carry. Well, and it's and you know it's frustrating that that Hogan, um, you know, there's a, there's a, a lot of reasons to criticize him these days, but yeah, he's uh, the worst. He he is by far <laughs> the worst. Well, I think that the um, that the prior dude was worse. Uh, oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that that Hogan's done lately that I strongly disapprove. But Hogan did uh, veto the. Uh, the uh, the bill on banning long long gun transfers, private long gun transfers. So yeah. I didn't credit yeah, that. Yeah. But he also signed in the uh, the red flag laws. Boom. I think he's been supporting all these sort of assault weapons bans that they've been trying to trying to drum up. So he's definitely well, not a, know, a Second Amendment hero. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, is uh, is is he going to run for president in two thousand twenty four? Or what's your what's your I, impression? It, mm. I, I think it looks like it, yeah. Yeah, which is bad news for Maryland. Because <laughs> he's going to be so con- – if that's the case, uh, he's going to be even more concerned what the Washington Post says about him. So it's like – right, and that's like, oh, that's – you know, you talk about a bad incentive system, you know, caring about the Washington Post coverage. I mean, anyhow. So I, I'm just curious, why do you choose to live in Maryland? It's part of the terms of my parole. <laughs> No, it was uh, uh, it, okay. It, it goes back some years. My um, I'm no longer married, but my ex was a uh, foreign dental graduate from Germany. And at the time that uh, she and I got married, uh, I was raised in Virginia. I think of myself as a native Virginian. wasn't born there, but uh, a lot of well, the state of Virginia is kind of going to hell as well. Yeah, last yeah. 15 years. So it's not like it's uh, you know, it's not like oh, well, it's going to Virginia. Um, but um, uh, at the time she and I got hitched, the, um, the, the state of Virginia uh, did not recognize any foreign dental graduates. So she would have had to do it her entire time of dental school again, uh, whereas Maryland uh, simply required one year of graduate education. So uh, that's the only reason I'm in Maryland. And, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, not a fan of Maryland, not a fan of the governor, uh, government here. Uh, but, uh, you know, hey. <laughs> <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do are there any other sort of cases out there recent cases that are similar to this at all that we're um, just not hearing about yeah well it, it's you know it's fascinating how the media spotlight works uh there's been a great deal of attention about the killing of the uh black guy in georgia by the by the two white guys who it sounded like it was a murder I mean, we, we don't have all the, all the details, but it, it's kind of, and it, it should have been. Did, did, did you uh, see the video of that? Uh, no, I haven't. What's your, uh, uh, I haven't seen that. What's your take on that? Oh, like, like, cause I, I've been studying it a bunch, right? Okay. And then like watching the video, I, I guess it's like maybe like a 30 second long video or something. Okay. And uh, like somebody's driving in a car behind uh, the gentleman's name is, uh, or was Ahmad. Arbery, okay. and uh, he, he's running along the street, right? 
Okay. And uh, like uh, up ahead of them, there's a pickup truck where the father and the son, the, the father is in the bed of the truck. And I think he has like a 357 pistol. Okay. And the son is around like, like, like uh, on the driver's side on the front with a shotgun. Right. Okay. So, so the black guy, um, he like runs past the, the truck and then he like starts wrestling with the son who has the shotgun. Okay. And, and then when, when they're fighting over the shotgun, then the shotgun goes off twice. Okay. So it, it's, yeah. It, yeah so but the, the, like why, why were they you see out of the video? Right. But the question is why were they following him with a shotgun and a pistol? Um, I think he was, he was just like out for a jog, and they thought he was like a suspect. Or they, well, that, I think I think that like, part's overblown. Um, I think that might have been the original take. Like it's it's clear to me this they they murdered this guy. They they chased him down. They found him because they thought that there were some apparently there were some break-ins in the neighborhood, and there's a video of him of this guy walking through a house that's under construction, mm-hmm. and I guess like maybe prowler, like he's some type of prowler. I don't know. I I don't know to that extent. But and so everyone said, well, he was just jogging. I don't know if he was just jogging. I mean, there was reports that he well, was 16 miles away from his house. I, I, and okay, still okay, doesn't okay, justify okay. murder. I, you know I, what I mean? Like, I think it was actually 10 miles away from his house, right? So 10 miles away from your house, right? If you're, if you're running 10 miles away from your house and running back home, you're basically running a fucking marathon. And <laughs> the weird thing about this, in the video, in the video, it looks like he's wearing cargo shorts. And shoes that are not running shoes. He was running okay. like Timberlands, I think. So, yeah. So if he's this, and he, and he had, he, apparently he had a hammer jog- on him. Yeah. If, if he's this into jogging, who is going to jog yeah, with right. like uh, cargo shorts and Timberlands? You know. So yeah. I mean, and th- these are all just just like facts of the matter, right? And then, um, and then, uh, like I've seen in some places where these guys are being called white supremacists, but and it's like, why? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's it's just always it always seems like yeah, it's it's identity the, politics. The, the most fishiest, the fishiest, um, like whether it be cops and civilians. Uh, whenever whenever there's these cases, it seems like they the media just runs with the most ambiguous cases where there's yeah. not that much information. This is what but I've always the most said. Slam dunk, like the most slam dunk, like why is Duncan Lemp story not pumped up steadily right. in the mainstream media, where it's clearly. Because they need um, they need to have the ambiguity so that there's so that you can fill twenty four hours of news with people right. arguing over oh this was you know defensive property or this was murder or this was a racial killing or this was a random killing or whatever it's just they did the same thing with uh, you know what was the one in Ferguson uh, what was that, uh, that Daryl uh, uh, Wilson was the cop yeah. Um, yeah, and you know the uh, Mike Brown or Mike Brown, I Michael think. Brown, the Michael, Michael Brown, Brown case, yeah. or the uh, yeah, it the was case like in Florida, the the Trayvon Martin, Trayvon, Trayvon Martin, Martin yeah. case, and yet ones that are pretty slam dunk, like the Eric Garner case, where he's literally choked out on camera for selling a Lucy, barely gets any media attention or outrage, right. which was strange because the Eric Garner case was the most uh, outrageous. Yeah, I mean, right. The, yeah, I mean the, the shooting in Ferguson. It might have been unnecessary, but the Justice Department under, you know, uh, Eric Holder said, eh, well, maybe it wasn't, uh, you know, maybe it was justified. I forgot the exact term the Justice Department used, the civil rights investigation, but uh, to see how the media went with that. But aside from that, I mean, you know, you got a Duncan Lemp case here, 21 years old. 
apparently shot in his bed. I mean, you know, the, 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 it's clear, as I understand, the bedroom window was shot out. The bedroom window was facing the street. And it wasn't like he was shooting at the police. So what the hell are you doing shooting into a bedroom at 4.30 in the morning? Mm. Um, you know, yeah, like, like, couldn't they just wait for him to leave and then, like, take his guns from his parents? Um, sure. Sure. I mean, I mean, uh, 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 you know, that's there's a, that's a parallel with Waco. I mean, you know, the, you had the ATF who claimed that the uh, branch of Indians uh, ambushed them. We had to wait six years for <laughs> branch of Indians ambushed them, <laughs> right? right. No, but, from but, inside their compound. Is, yeah, you know, we had to wait six years for a FOIA request, which turned out and uh, turned up the memo that ATF agents went shooting with David Koresh about eight or 10 days before that raid. Wow. Undercover ATF agents who David Koresh knew were ATF, you know, the, uh, the three or four of them went out shooting. And it's wow. like, oh, but you know, but we had no chance to arrest him. That was complete bullshit. The media ran with it. And um, if folks had known the truth on the day of the ATF raid, when the six Davidians, I, get, I think, and four uh, ATF agents were killed, if, if, if they had known that the, ATF guys have gone out shooting with the uh, Koresh eight, 10 days earlier. ATF would have had no credibility. ATF covered that up. And, you know, this is, you know, there's, uh, there's an old saying that, uh, you know, don't worry, the truth will out. Yeah, well, that's bullshit. Um, as an investigative journalist, I see how rarely that happens. Hmm. Hey, uh, James, I'm just curious. Have you seen the uh, Waco documentary that's up on Netflix right now? No, I haven't seen it. I've heard very good things about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm a couple episodes in, and uh, I'm thinking it's pretty cool. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out, too. There's, I mean, there's so many, like, I would say parallels to what's going on right now. But, I mean, have you, um, I did have a question. Have you been by his house, or have you seen pictures of his house at um, all, Duncan Lemp? Yeah, I, I, I've seen pictures. I've not been by the house. Uh, so, the, so the window was shot out. That's my understanding. Uh, I think there were pictures of that. Uh, one of the nice things about the um, that protest is I had a chance to meet his mother and talk to her at length. Also met his father, his aunt, talked to them, and uh, you know it's good to get the family perspective and to get some very good background details and wh what happened. So because Montgomery County Police, I mean, it's like a damn sphinx. Um, so not that I'm bitter. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Cause I know this, I mean, like, yeah, it, it's just strange. It's, it's like, isn't there a, isn't there something where like Maryland just doesn't even record how many SWAT raids they have anymore because it was well, so embarrassingly high. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, there was a, there was a raid in Berwyn Heights, uh, college park, uh, mm -hmm. 2008 or nine, uh, the, 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 mayor was, uh, you know, somebody sent a box of marijuana and use the mayor's address. So, uh, uh, PG Prince George's County, uh, SWAT team comes in, kills the guy's dogs, terrorizes the family. The, uh, you know, there was a brief outrage and the state legislature voted, uh, to mandate that they had to track the number of SWAT raids. And so they did that for about four years and the numbers were so embarrassing that they stopped counting. Someone yeah. made up a great point in the chat. They're like, if they do a no-knock raid of a gun charge, what were they afraid of? He was going to flush his guns? Well, yeah, it, it's interesting. Going back, uh, this goes back 25 <laughs> years, but 
I was writing about uh, some no-knock raids for Playboy, and there was a Supreme Court case. And uh, it, it dealt, it was Wilson versus Arkansas. And it was a no-knock raid that the police went in because a woman had been, uh, had done some drug dealing and she was suspected of having drugs. And, and, uh, and the cops were concerned she might flush them. And so they just barged right in. And uh, they were arguing this back and forth uh, uh, there in the oral arguments at the Supreme Court. And the, the lawyer for, um, the, the lawyer for the Justice Department said that uh, said that it made sense to um, you know not not have the knock announced for small amounts of drugs, but if there was a large amount of drugs, then you know it's justified. And that was that was the, the criminal defense lawyer played off that and said, well, okay, so the amount of rights you have depends on how much drugs you have. If you got more drugs, you got more rights. Uh, I thought that was funny. I burst out laughing. I was the only person who laughed in the court, so I got thrown court <laughs> by the uh, bailiff. <laughs> and I had a big hearty laugh, and everybody turns and look, who's that asshole? And next thing I know, I tap on the shoulder of my bailiff, you, out. So, anyhow. <laughs> awesome. uh, it's so ridiculous. It's like the scene in Goodfellas when Karen was trying to flush all the coke in, you know, down the toilet. And, and yeah, like you said, uh, Jim, the amount of no-knock raids in Maryland are just staggering. And I, I think I told Matt and Jared and, and Phil about this, like, I don't know, maybe years ago. But uh, I witnessed a no-knock raid uh, of my neighbor's house a couple doors down. I live in a row home in eastern ba East Baltimore County. Uh -huh. And I'm just sitting out on my front porch drinking a beer. And there's kids literally playing out on the sidewalk, you know, riding their bikes and just playing sure. out in the front yard. And all of a sudden I see – out of the corner of my eye, because I'm out on the front porch and it's maybe about 10 doors down, They're, these are all row homes, townhomes. Sure. And uh, I see literally a, a shield, like five, five cops in full right, you know, the right gear, tactical sure. gear, and then two plain dressed cops. And I knew something was going down because I saw like a cop parked down the street and another cop car. And, and, I, and then I go out in my back deck and I see – and they just stand out, said Baltimore County Police, and they just busted in the screen door and went right in the door. Now, the guy that lived there, he apparently, I don't know, he, he, I think he had his, his kids there sometimes, little, like, they were maybe less than, like, I don't know, six and maybe four years old. And uh, I don't know, kind of a shady character, but I guess he was selling drugs. But my whole thing was, like, really? Was it necessary? Guns drawn with kids playing out in the front lawn, busting in the door, for and then not only that but it's like dumb dumbs you live in a fucking row home like there's only two ways out front door back door like <laughs> you know what i mean like really like this was necessary and there was a cop and cops posted up in the alleyway but like really like the whole the whole concept the whole reason for no knock raids is like oh my god they might flush the evidence but in most cases it makes no fucking sense because if you have enough evidence to initiate a raid with a warrant you should have sufficient evidence besides the actual drugs itself right just like they did you know it, it's just so insane that the the level of violence that's brought to your front doors and then just the the bystanders that are you know could, could well be you shouldn't be getting arrested crossfire. for possessing anything anyways so exactly. the whole thing doesn't just doesn't make any sense it's so exactly. it leads you to these these uh these crazy um you know absurd situations where you have to break into someone's house to like preserve the evidence you know it's like right. what it makes like, no well, fucking yeah. sense 
Yeah, I, I, a part of my concern writing about this off and on for 25 years, there's a level of violence with the SWAT raid that's basically a declaration of war. And mm -hmm. uh, that's, you have a, a lo lot of people getting killed in these raids, a lot of innocent people getting killed. You get cops get injured as well. And, um, you know, going back 400 years, uh, there was a case in England that there's, I think, I've forgotten the title of the sheriff's case or something like that, that established that, that uh, the sheriff has to knock and announce as when he's serving a uh, search warrant. Well, back in the 1980s, they started to make exemption, exemptions on this. And now you've got 50,000 SWAT raids a year, most of them no knock, as I understand, and uh, a shitload of violence. And even when they don't shoot people, I mean, this is an act of terrorism. I mean, yeah. if, if, if somebody did that to police headquarters, oh my goodness, the media would be so upset. And this is also part, part of the militarization of police in this post 9-11 world where you have the military industrial complex just basically backing some of these police departments. And they just, you know, when they sit around, they have all these toys of up-armored Humvees and, and, you know, all this surplus military industrial complex from all our, you know, adventures over in the Middle East. It's like... <laughs> It, it's just insane the amount of uh, you know they're just sitting around bored. They're they're just ready right. to use all these toys. That's and that's exactly what it seems to me. Like that's my <laughs> hypothesis. Whole thing. Did you guys see the picture of those two like fat ass pigs in front of the MRAP? Yeah, yeah. like yeah. it was whatever county they were. They they had a GoFundMe to Texas, get that thing. Yeah, 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 to get those county, the county sheriffs a treadmill or something. As far as the military equipment, until recently. There was a provision that if a police department got uh, all that military equipment, they had to use it within one year or else they would forfeit it. So there was, you know, so the feds put in an incentive not only to give them military equipment, but for them to have to use it. So it's wow. not right. Um, wow. wow. Yeah, it's just perverse incentives. Yeah. And, and something that was funny is, uh, you know, there was more and more press coverage on this towards the end of the Obama administration. 2015, 2016, President Obama says, yeah, I'm really upset by this. You know, we've really got to change. Dude, for seven years, you were bankrolling this. You were financing it. You were yeah, all the weaponry. So, yeah. yeah, it really sounds like that to me. Like, that's, that's the only thing I can think of is why they do these things is because they feel like they have to and they can. Like, they're just like, ah, we got to use it. Let's use it. We got it. Let's use it. Well, and yeah, they, they can spin it. Well, sure. yes, uh, yes, because the media tends to uh, doesn't investigate it. Uh, I mean, the, the media is so deferential in most cases, and this is a gun case. Uh, this is a gun case. Uh, some of the coverage was stressing that he had been out with some of these militia groups, some of these boogaloo groups. I mean, <laughs> I can understand why some people get nervous about the boogaloo groups. Um, I don't know. Every time I hear the Boogaloo group, I, I assume this is like got to be a joke. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> a big luau. I think it's like seventy-five percent a joke, and then there's probably twenty-five percent of people that I mean actually want some kind of armed revolution. I but. mean, like, don't get me wrong. I, I I can believe people hate the government. I I'm sure as fuck do. You oh know? yeah. We but I mean, it's just just the name, the Boogaloo. I feel no, like Boogaloo. Yeah, it, it, it's strange. And, uh, you know, as, as I said earlier, I think there was an informant. I'm quite, uh, I'm, I think it's very likely there was an informant in this case. I don't know where the informant met Lemp or what information he had.
but uh, somebody was feeding the, uh, feeding the police information that frightened the police, and so the police uh, went way overboard. Uh, I've also wondered if the feds might have been involved, but I've not had any, not seen any confirmation on that because um, Limp was outspoken online on this, uh, and he was setting up helping some of these uh, hardline groups, so I don't know, but uh, to see how the, to see how the FBI roped in Muslims after 9-11, um, yeah. you know, that's always a parallel that I'm concerned about here. Mm. Yeah, like, like I remember in, uh, I don't know if you, you probably remember this, Jim. It was, uh, it was actually in Catonsville where I live. There was like a, uh, there was like some kid who was like, uh, he was like a young teenager and he was like convinced by the FBI to go in this car and detonate a bomb in like like the in some sort of like recruitment parking center. Okay, yeah, that's uh, and it was a fake bomb and exactly, yeah, you know, yeah. three hundred years or whatever. Yeah, it was just manufactured terror. Yep. You know. Meanwhile, like this kid's like a fucking joke. You know, he's just like. He's just like manipulated by these guys. Like, I mean, this kid would not have probably, you know, definitely. Uh, there's no reason to believe that this kid would have done anything like this had he not met the FBI. Yeah, well, it wasn't him meeting the FBI. It was the FBI meeting him, <laughs> right? Uh, or an FBI informant. I mean, there've been on, on these gun sting cases. You know, there are cases of the ATF setting up gun sting operations and intentionally uh, signing up people who were mentally handicapped, hmm. um, you know, people who had an IQ of 70. And uh, there was, I think it was out in St. Louis where they persuaded some of those guys to get tattoos, you know, um, tattoos for their gun sting. Um, uh, it's complete outrage. And um, once again, it goes back to the feds can do anything and the courts don't label it entrapment. Very frustrating. I mean, just like recently, just uh, those cases in Baltimore, the, the drug, uh, the uh, gun, gun trace task force in Baltimore. Oh City. yeah, they're a hoot. Yeah, and, and they literally in, in their findings, they literally had BB guns on them to plant as evidence to, you know, justify them shooting first. Yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I you know, it, it's interesting people complain about people not trusting the police when I'm thinking that the gun trace task force, I mean, uh, one of my favorite details from them was that those guys would put on put GPS trackers on under uh, people's vehicles so so they knew when they weren't home and then go and burglarize their house. Yeah, that oh my gosh, I remember one that, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, Baltimore's had an endless series of scandals. You all might recall this is probably 6 or 7 years old, 6 or 7 years ago, but there was you know, there were uh, there, there was a um, an auto shop, an auto repair shop. I think over on the uh, east side. And uh, anytime there was an auto accident, the police would come in and say, okay, the car has got to be taken there. And you had like at least 30, 40, 50 cops were getting kickbacks from this auto repair place. And it was a complete scam. And God knows how many years it went on. So. Wow. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it just reminded me what you guys were uh, talking about before. It says like the classic meme. Uh, it says FBI foils, FBI terror plot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it's so it's, awful. It, it, it's interesting that you know the, these these terror plots, these entrapment schemes get exposed time and again. And what happens the next time the FBI or some 
government agencies. Oh, we had a plot. We had this. We had media, you know, stampedes, you know, like a bunch of lemmings going over a cliff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, I, I think we're we're uh, just about out of time here um, for the the podcast. Um, but uh, like Jim, if you want to stick around and hang out, uh, we do do an after hours program, which you're invited to. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, also, we have uh, t-shirts up at uh, libertariancountry.com. If you type in the code PRL or the code PRL podcast, you'll receive a 10% discount. If you spend $50 or more and you type in the code PRL2, you'll receive a 20% discount. This podcast is brought to you in part by Conversations About Freedom podcast hosted by Moral Bob. Until also, uh, next Jim, time. You, oh, uh, also, Jim, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, maybe your website oh, yeah, or sure. where we could get the latest, uh, the latest on the Duncan Lemp case. Um, do you have a web, current website? You can let yeah, our listeners. I, yeah, my current website is jimbovard.com. Last name is B-O-V-A-R-D. It's French. Don't hold against me. Uh, <laughs> I've, I, I've, I've also got a blog there. Uh, where I post articles and interviews and uh, sometimes photographs. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Bovard and Lemp is one way to, um, you know, find the articles. I think there's going to be some other, some other folks are looking into this, but the uh, Montgomery County Police Stonewall has thus far succeeded. So, but thanks very much for your interest. Thanks for your, uh, you know, having the fire in the belly on this issue. Because no, it's we, damn scarce. So no, we wanted to get you on here because yeah, it's lost in the sauce amongst all this COVID, and and we wanted we didn't want Duncan Lemp, you know, we, we wanted to get this back out there and uh, make sure that this this doesn't go away. And thank you for what you do. Well, thanks, thanks very much. Yeah. Well, until next time, live free or die. That is shed. Stretching the flies on the tax bombs and bread. Was it by a few at the expense of the many? Soldiers and gods and death machines. You can't justify killing by economic gain. For God, country, democracy. You can put freedom in death point in a fine land. You support the truth, then bring them home. I believe the joke will do the best for you. And I believe that we. Have the power, have the power. I hate the state, and I know I'm a slave. We can make a break, break the power, break the power. Society of individuals, nothing more than not interference with natural rights. With the virtuous person fully comprehends the non-aggression principle, the violence of the state becomes absolute.